Vincenzo talking about Buffy and do you know what um I liked Buffy a lot when I was in middle school I was like 13 or yeah I was 13 and I I really loved Buffy but I wasn't allowed to watch it because my brother was scared (laughs) my brother was scared of Buffy and so that meant I wasn't allowed to watch it and I was like well who cares why can't I watch it and he he's four and a half years younger than me so he used to have to go to bed you know and he was afraid of the lights on so all the lights had to be off and basically I'd go to school everybody would be talking about Buffy and I was like I don't know I'm not allowed to watch it because my brother is afraid fast forward a couple years my brother's favorite show is Buffy I mean my brother likes Buffy as much as Vincenzo I'm not kidding and now I'm like, I'm not interested in watching it. Like, time, no, you ruined Buffy for me. Well, you didn't ruin it for me, but like, the time has passed. I'm over Buffy. I never watched the whole thing. I'm not going to get into it. But he's like, oh, Buffy's the best. Buffy and Charmed are like his two favorite shows. Well, you realize now, and I have to make it my mission to get you to <laughs> back into Buffy. Because it's available in so many places now. And just for the 90s fashion alone like for the same reasons that people love to rewatch clueless buffy is just the most amazing 90s fashion fest and um, you can appreciate it on so many levels i i think i think you should give it another chance like mm, maybe maybe i did have an angel poster in my room Did I ever tell you what happened to me when, on my 30th birthday, Pascal got me an hour's horse riding lesson as a gift? No. Well, I used to ride a Shetland pony once a week when I was nine or ten and got quite proficient for a ten-year-old. Like, I could do small jumps and stuff. I could trot. I could catch 30-year-old me assumed that riding a horse is like riding a bike and that all horses are the same, like all bikes are the same. So I went into this lesson. There was a group of people who've all been like gifted uh, an hour's horse riding. And they were like, so put your hands up if you can do this, if you can do that. And I, I was like, I can do all of that. Just watch me. I'm about to give you the lesson of your life (laughs) this horse um proceeded to run like crazy through the arena um not paying attention to anything i did i could i couldn't control it i couldn't do anything with it and i looked like a total rat i really couldn't have made the fall from (laughs) myself up to how poorly i rode i couldn't have made it any bigger i learned a lesson like that i remember in high school I really wanted to sing. I mean, I thought, I thought like when I hear myself, I know it sounds bad, but I thought maybe to other people, it sounded better because you know, how like you don't, when you hear yourself, you're like, I don't sound like that. It doesn't sound that way to you. Like the way you sound when you hear yourself is not how other people hear you. So I tried out for the high school musical and everyone had to sing, give my regards to Broadway. 
and the piano teacher was sing was playing you know playing the music and then you would sing for your audition and I went up and I said <clears throat> yeah um I don't need the piano I'm gonna do this acapella <laughs> and they were like are you sure I mean everybody's playing with the with the piano Jen and I said no I know what I'm doing and I sang give my regards to Broadway and uh and I got the chorus so I mean everybody who auditioned got the chorus that was like that was standard but yeah no no lead role for me I never got a leading role in anything in high school in the nativity I was like angel number three it's like <laughs> stick a bed sheet over her put some tinsel in her hair and she's passable but in my final year of high school I took part in a, a in this really awesome play it was a it was a bible story but like in a done in a modern way it was really cool and it was one of these promenade plays where the audience actually has to move around to the different scenes oh yeah yeah and I, being the new girl in this school, was just waiting for a leading role. You know, I, 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 this is my moment. Finally, I'm going to be Mary. One of the Marys, doesn't matter. Mary, Mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene. I don't mind which one. But I'm definitely going to get Mary. I was the only girl cast in a male role. At <laughs> wear a moustache and oil back my hair. I had to um, strap my tiny breasts <laughs> back so that I, I, I looked like a guy. And I, I had the honour of playing Herod's son. Herod who killed all the little baby boys in the, in the Bible. I had to learn three paragraphs of Latin. I was the only girl playing a boy in the play and I didn't even get to speak English. Is this your new place? This is my new place. Do you wanna, do you wanna tour of it? So this is the town we live in, Ketchum, Idaho. So we, we found that at um, a thrift shop the other day. And then this is like our little, we have a little outdoor space here. And we've got our grill and wait, the best part of it, I just gotta show you this one thing. So you step outside here and we've got a mountain. Oh, it's beautiful. And this is, uh, it's really, it's still really cloudy, smoky here. Um, I mean, normally you can see this really clearly, but this is the mountain people ski down. And it's smoke from what? What's the smoke from? Oh, lots of, uh, I mean, it's very, very dry around here. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of forest fires that happen just in the area, but this, oh, we've never seen it smoky like this. So um, a lot of people think it's from the California forest fires making its way over here. It's crazy. These fires in California are insane. And a friend, a good friend of mine actually in from, from university, she just lost her entire home, everything. I mean, it's, it's very, very dry over here and I think something, fire can start very easily, uh, much easier than I realized. And there's just so much space here. There's so much land. So 
this fire in California that they're talking about, they said it's 900 million acres. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine that the size of that. But yeah, it's just, it's a lot going on this year, a crazy year. I should say here that what Jennifer meant to say, of course, was 900,000 acres. But it doesn't really matter, does it? Like Greta says, the world is on fire. And it's up to us to decide whether we're going to quench that fire sooner rather than later. In fact, one of the guests for this podcast has had to delay her recording because of the amount of smoke that is affecting people in places like Palo Alto. So, of course, our thoughts are that she and everyone living in California stay safe. The firefighters in these situations, whether it's in California or Australia, do just unimaginable work. They literally walk into hell. So, the world's on fire and we owe it to them to all do better. I was um, living in New York City uh, in my own apartment, and I started dating Dan in September, and he was living in his own apartment, and then it was um, it was in March, um, and it was a Friday. I think it was around the 19th or so. He said, hey, I think this COVID situation is getting pretty bad. I think we should get out of the city. And my uncle lives in Virginia. He has a house in the suburbs and they have a spare bedroom. What do you think if we go there? And I thought, um, well, okay, yeah, for a week or so, it would be nice to get out of the city, have a little change of scenery. And uh, you had so he said, all right. News at all at that. <laughs> I just, I mean, they had just told us, it was that Thursday they told us we were going to start working from home. So we just had, you know, they said, we're going to close the offices where everybody's going to work from home. So that was Thursday. Friday said, hey, I think we should get out of town. What do you think? But yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll be back soon. So I packed pretty much an overnight bag and he said, all right, we'll leave in the morning. So Saturday morning, we drove five hours to Virginia. We ended up staying at his aunt and uncle's house for three months after three months um in virginia we thought all right well we should probably do something and we can't stay here indefinitely so we should probably figure out what to do next and we looked at many 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 different options um and it was overwhelming it was it was a bit scary it was a bit stressful but you know we tried to think about okay this is a this is an opportunity if you look at it and if you if you want to look at it that way this is an opportunity our offices are closed right now we can go basically anywhere uh we don't have to stay in new york city and pay you know a ridiculous amount for rent we can use this as a chance to go somewhere new have you have you organized your mail-in boat now that you've moved house Yes, we're ready for the election. I mean, yeah, we'll mail in our vote, but 
I know, well, it was tempting, like, should we vote here? Maybe we'll, our vote will have a bigger impact here in Idaho because Idaho is a pretty uh, consistently Republican state. So I wondered if you were trying to like up the vote for Joe Biden by moving to Idaho <laughs> this year. Yeah, we just thought, let's just go, let's go to Idaho. I mean, Dan grew up here, and so um, he said we can we can go to Idaho. There's lots of outdoor activities. If you want to social distance and not see people, I mean, you can drive literally for hours here and not see any, you won't see a person. You'll see deer and antelope and uh, <laughs> maybe some buffalo, but you won't, you won't see people for miles and miles. So we decided to pack up. We put all of our belongings into a storage unit in Queens, New York. And we bought a pickup truck. Did I tell you that we bought a pickup truck? We bought a pickup truck and we drove across the country. We didn't want to fly with COVID. So we drove and we didn't want to stay in any hotels. So we camped. I mean, I was thinking about it. Like if you had asked me six months ago, uh, name a state, like name one state you're pretty sure you'll, you'll never live in and name a kind of vehicle you'll never buy. I, I would have said confidently, I will never live in Idaho, and I know I'll never buy a pickup truck, and now I've done both of those things. I've been wondering, like, what are the lessons for young people now, in a sense that millennials are in this unique place where we've actually kind of lived through something similar before although this situation is much more extreme and we've still managed to survive and meet people and do amazing things in life but I have a feeling like if you were about to go to university this year like if you were about to start in the next few weeks and there's a global pandemic and the worst recession we've had in a century it would be pretty daunting I'd, I'd be pretty depressed what would you have told your 18 and 19 year old self I would say these twists and turns are part of life and it's not going to be permanent you're going to get through it very few things in life I can go exactly according to plan you know you're this is this is a wrench in the road but it's not going to be permanent. And I mean, it might not go back to normal anytime soon, but that doesn't mean you, can, you can't have a positive uh, university experience and you can't still get an education and come out of it, you know, with a skill set that you, that you want to get. I think, you know, like how many, how difficult was it for us when we graduated and people were these, were, were, just in these perpetual internships and they were unpaid i mean i was an unpaid intern in paris i mean that was that sucked like you can't enjoy paris with no money <laughs> uh, <laughs> but i still had a great experience i i i made friends you know the friendships that you'll make or there's other things that you'll that you'll get out of it that's maybe not the way you pictured Coming out of university, I, I graduated in 2008, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I remember a lot of my friends were getting jobs in New York City, 
um, my mom really wanted me to go into banking. She, my mom wanted me to go into business. She just wanted me to study business or she heard of, you know, we had a friend, a family friend that worked at Morgan Stanley and my mom thought, oh, that would be such a good job for me. And I thought, mom, I don't want to do that. That sounds awful. That sounds so boring. Um, and so I babysat for a family in Princeton, New Jersey, and I had just graduated and they told me we're moving to Barcelona. Um, and the kids are young, uh, they'll, it would be nice for them to have a familiar face because the parents were very social and would go out a lot. They said, do you wanna come with us to Barcelona? And I thought, um, yeah, yeah, I'd like to come like for a quick vacation. And they were like, no, no, stay. You can come and stay for a month. Um, and so I did, I went to Barcelona. I didn't know anything about Spain. I didn't speak Spanish. Um, and I completely fell in love with the city and I found a job teaching English and I wound up staying there for three years. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do after graduating. I knew I enjoyed languages. I love languages, I still do. And I enjoyed learning about the Middle East because you know, my mom's from Iran and I really, I, I was very, very interested in the history and learning what she had been through and then learning about the rest of the region too. So I was, I loved my studies. I really, really enjoyed it. But yeah, when I graduated, I, I didn't know what, what I wanted. So I wound up, found myself in Barcelona and I just completely loved it. It wasn't part of the plan at all, but I loved it. And then I um, met a professor in Barcelona. I went to, it was this, you know, a free, a free lecture one night and I went to it. It was a, it was on, it was actually about uh, human rights in Iran. So I went to just listen to that and I heard the professor, he was from Ireland and I thought, wow, he's so interesting. Maybe I should reach out to him and see if he needs a research assistant. And I did, his name is Fred Halliday. He was a professor at the London School of Economics, but he was teaching in Barcelona. And I, he, wrote, he wrote back to me very quickly and he said, you can come to my office. And I went in his office and he said, I don't need a research assistant. I do all my research on my own, but I teach this course on um, the Middle East. It's part of this international relations master's program. If you like, why don't you come and sit in on my class, see if you like like it and you can apply and for the master's next year. So I did and I would go every Wednesday, his class was an hour and he just let me sit in the back of the room and listen in on his lecture and he'd always call on me. He was, he was a really, really great professor. I mean, very inspiring for me. And I said, I wanna do this. I, I want to apply for this program next year. So I did, I wrote, I wrote an essay, he was my reference letter, and I got in, and I mean, that was one of the best experiences of my, my life. So we talked about, yeah, going from New York to Barcelona, then Brussels, and then, and then the story gets a little sad, because then in 2013, I decide it's time to go back. I've had my fun. I've had enough, you know, I've had my adventure in Europe. It, at that point, it had been almost six years. So I decided, I took it upon myself. I said, I'm 
gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and things were great I mean things were really we I mean you and I had started this you know leaderize and it was it was at its peak I think at least from my perspective I think it was you know we just we kept we kept growing and these new opportunities were coming and it was so exhilarating and it, I had this adrenaline every time we did an event I was like just buzzing with this energy and it was it was so exciting and I thought yep now's the time to go now's the time to leave I think you know I thought it's better to leave on a high it's better to leave when things are you know when when things are going really well than to leave on a low you know uh, if I leave now I'll always have good memories and I'll always remember this time and so I and so I left and I moved to Hoboken New Jersey <laughs> so I went from Barcelona Brussels to Hoboken New Jersey and I actually um one of my favorite movies of all time is L'Auberge Espagnole it's um it's basically about you know, a French guy that moves to Barcelona and he lives in this, uh, you know, multi, multinational house. He lives with people from all over the world. There's a Italian guy and a Spanish girl and a, and a British girl. And he has just the time of his life. And then in the end of the, at the end of the movie, he goes back to Paris to this corporate job. And the last scene is he just runs out of the building because it's like, when you when you've had those kinds of moments and those memories and those friendships like oh it's just so hard to go back to 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 something else to something that that doesn't have that so i left brussels and came back to the us and i i got a job in new york city but i was commuting and i was living in hoboken and uh, and that time was really really hard for me I lost my glow. I lost my, what excited me. I didn't have the, I didn't have people I could practice my, the languages that I loved so much. You know, I didn't have my group of friends. I didn't have you and I didn't have leader eyes. And, and it was just like starting from scratch and felt like I was taking a step backwards. You know, I grew up in New Jersey. I had all these cool experiences and now I was back where I started. And I was like, this just doesn't, this doesn't feel right. This just feels so wrong. And it took me a long time to learn how to listen to my gut and to recognize that what I'm feeling doesn't have to be right or wrong. It's what I'm feeling and it's making me feel a certain way. And like to listen to that and to respond to that and to make changes if it's not feeling right. It took a long time, but three years later, I moved um, into Manhattan and um, made made changes, and and I felt better. I and I started to feel like I was getting back to to myself again. But I think just what that taught me, and I think it it just relates to many things in life and, and to work too, is just knowing when something feels off, and knowing when to react to that. A couple years ago, it was it was probably last year. Um, I was working on a new business. You know, I had this new client we were trying to win um, based in Korea. And this was a really, really exciting opportunity. I wanted this. I wanted this so badly. Uh, I wanted to be on the team and I, I really wanted to impress the, the woman who was leading it. Um, you know, I looked up to her a lot. 
And I really wanted her to see that I had good ideas, that I was creative, that I, that I was going to be good for this opportunity. So anyway, we come up with our, with our campaign idea and basically like the, the main theme of the campaign was an idea that I had come up with. So I was, I was over the moon. I was like, yeah, we're going with my idea. Everybody's going to love this. And so then a couple weeks later, they announced the pitch team. And these, these were going to be the, the people, the finalists that were going to, going to travel to Korea to present this idea to the clients. You know, I thought, okay, I'm not going to say anything because they already saw me in the meetings and I know that they're going to do the right thing and they're going to, they're going to pick me. <laughs> and then a couple days later, they announced the pitch team, the email went out and, and I was, I just read through the list and, and my name wasn't there. And it was something I felt like I am willing to fight for it. If I let this go, I'm going to regret it. And I need to say something. And if it, you know, it's, it's always delicate because you don't want to look like, you don't want to look like you're whining or naggy, or you don't want to look like it's all about you because it's really just about the team. And, you know, if someone else thinks that they put the right team together, then you should trust their judgment and, but sometimes, sometimes they don't make the, or sometimes you just got to say something. There were a lot of lessons in that experience. And I did, I did say something and I, they thought they were doing me a favor by not having me go. And I was like, no, are you crazy? I want to go. I, and they were like, well, you know, you'd have to go on the, fly on the weekend. And I was like, I will fly on the weekend. I actually sat on the middle seat. I sat in the middle seat. It was a 14 hour flight. I was like, I don't care. It's the best flight ever. After my, after my internship, when I got hired full-time, I remember they gave us a Blackberry and I was like, oh my God, I've made it. Like I've done it. <laughs> this is the definition of success. I like just holding that Blackberry. I was like, wow. So this is what it's like. <laughs> uh. Thank you.